All right, good morning. How's everybody today? Listen to this new speaker Brantley's got us up here today. Doesn't that sound nice? I'm going to sing a song for you on it. Everybody ready? Here we go. <clears throat> no, just kidding. You don't want that. Hey, I am super excited to be in the passage that we are today. So hopefully you've been uh, with us and following along in the book of Matthew. Uh, if you have, we had just finished up the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, amazing, amazing message, obviously preached by God himself. So uh, that uh, that obviously tells you about the special nature of it. Three chapters, 111 verses that we went through. Last week, if you were here, we talked about that we are all builders. Anybody remember that from last week? Building. Uh, we are all building on this life that we have been given. Remember, there was two choices, two options where it appears there are many uh, that we could build our life on Christ, which is anybody remember what he said that was? The rock. I heard it. All right. Anything else other than Christ, if we built our life on is building our house on what? Sand. That's it. We got a few people that was listening last week. I thank you for that. Uh, but we uh, we remember that. And then Jesus even used the wording a few weeks back. He said, on that day. If you remember about that, it said it's a day that we don't like to talk about. On that day means that when we step from this life to the next, that we stand before a holy God and we must answer for how we have built our life. Either we've built it on the rock that is Jesus Christ or on something else, right? So I want to walk you through that scenario just real quick before we kind of get into today's passage and tell you this. If you're standing there in that moment on that day and you've built your life on anything other than Christ and it is built on the sand, that individual is going to stand there and say, well, I did this. I did that. I gave out food at the church at Southside, or I helped a little old lady across the street, or I tried to be as good as I could, or I, I, I served as much as I could, or I gave, you know, tithes and offerings. But the problem with that is you're answering in the first person, right? That I did this, I did that. And at that point, he's going to say, depart from me. I didn't know you because you built your life on a lie. You built your life on the sand and it wasn't a firm foundation, right? The one who had built his life on Christ will be able to stand there at that day and answer correctly in the third person and say, he did this. He saved me. He redeemed me. He died for me. He forgave me. That's the only answer that will count. But can I get your attention this morning? Everybody look this way for one second. In that moment, you know the truth now, right? You've heard that. I said that. The excuse is not going to be there. Well, I didn't know. If you've been coming out here, you've heard the gospel. But just because you know the right answer, you won't be able to stand there and conjure that up and say, oh, yeah, I remember hearing about he did this for me. He's going to know if he knows you or not or you know him. It's about relationship. It's not about religion. It never has been. It's about who you know if you have that relationship with him. And so uh, that was the idea that we had a few weeks ago. We finished out the Sermon on the Mount and the ending of the Sermon on the Mount is really crucial. And one of the things that if you think about the last little verse, it looks like it's just this one-off, non-significant, just little bitty verse. But it really is setting the tone for what is Jesus is knowing is about to head him to the cross. 
He knows redemption story is going to play out. This is not catching him off guard, but it's a very important sentence, and I'll read that here in just a second. But before I do, I want to remind you again of the audience that was in the crowd of the Sermon on the Mount. Of course, you had Jesus, right? Without him, there is no Sermon on the Mount. You had the 12, the the one that were following him the closest. Then you had the other disciples, right? Those that maybe we knew by name, some of them, some of them we don't, but the followers of Christ, those that had listened to the message said, "I, I believe in this guy. I believe what he is teaching. Right. And then no doubt you had those that were just following along, just maybe intrigued of like, hey, I've heard some amazing things about Jesus. I want to see what this is about. And then you had the show watchers, those that they didn't have Netflix back then. Right. Like this was their show. I I hear this guy's healing people. I hear this guy's teaching in ways that people have never heard before. Right. It's God in the flesh. So, of course, when he teaches, people are like, man, this guy is amazing. You've never heard anything like this. And they hadn't. And we haven't since. And so no doubt you had those that were just wanting to watch the show. And then we said this, that no doubt the religious leaders of the day, the scribes and the Pharisees, the ones that, by the way, if you want to look, when Jesus gets really mad in Scripture, most of the time it's at these guys. He doesn't encounter a sinner, somebody in their sin, a, a prostitute or, or maybe the diseased or, or just, you know, those that would be considered sinners of the day, the tax collectors. He doesn't ever seem to get mad at them. He does get mad at the people that should have known him. The ones that spread false teachings, the ones that uh, he says at some point you're heaping burdens on people that you can't do yourself. Right. You're lording over people. That was the people that Jesus really got upset with. But I want to remind you, these religious leaders are the people that the the common folk like us would have oohed and odd over. We would have looked at them and said, if anybody knows God, right, it would be these guys because they had the law memorized forwards and backwards. Right. In fact, it takes me back to a few verses in the Sermon on the Mount where the people still had to be reeling. If you remember and been with us, Jesus said at one point, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, by the way, again, the who's who, the ones that were up there on the pedestal that they looked to and said, "Ooh, ah, look at him. He knows God. Unless your righteousness surpasses them, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. I imagine there still had to be a good old boy or girl in the crowd that said, man, I can't imagine my righteousness ever surpassing those people that they know the law. Some of you even feel that out here. You say, well, I don't know the Bible, so I'll never be considered righteous. Good news. It ain't about you. It's about him. It's about what he's already done for you. So just take the pressure off this morning. But I want to take you to the last verse of the Sermon on the Mount, and I want you to just think about these people who were so prideful, the the religious leaders, they were so uh, power hungry, so lording their power over people and, and trying to act as if they too had arrived. They really embraced that mindset. But I want you to listen to what Jesus is, is said about him and his teaching in the last verses on the Sermon on the Mount. This is not Jesus teaching. This is said about Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29. It says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished. 
Can you imagine? I mean, really, we said that we would sit here and we would try to act as if we were on that hillside hearing Jesus for the first time speak these words, but they were really there for the first time hearing God in the flesh preach his word, his message. And it says that they left when Jesus was done astonished. I mean, blown away. Like, I, I've, I've never seen anything like this before. And so as they, they are there and he's taught this, it says that they're astonished at his teaching. And listen to what he says. I want you to, again, remember the prideful, the powerful religious leaders of the day. And tell me you don't understand why this begins to set in motion, heading Jesus to the cross. Because the scribes and Pharisees were a lot of the ones behind him saying, this guy's a blasphemer. This guy's teaching, you know, heresy here. This guy's saying he's God. Only God's able to forgive, right? Like they're, they're pushing towards that notion of we got to get this guy out of here. He's upsetting the apple cart here. He's, he's really kind of taking our power and our, our thunder away. But listen to what it says. This is why they were astonished, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. So what's implied here is after hearing Jesus, people were looking at the scribe saying, I thought you had authority. I thought you taught well. Something's different about this one. So the power hungry, the prideful scribes and Pharisees, let me assure you, as the crowd is walking away that day and the murmurs get to a fever pitch and they're saying, wow, can you believe that? Can you believe what he said? Can you? I, I mean, I can't even imagine. And he said this and he said that and just blown away. And the scribes and the Pharisees walking away saying, well, nobody says that when I teach. Nobody, nobody says they're astonished when I teach. Like, in fact, now nobody now that Jesus is here even cares that I'm here. Can you see where the pride gets involved there? And so that's where we that's where we finished up the Sermon on the Mount. All of these people still present, and we'll see that in today's passage. I'm going to read for you uh, Matthew chapter 8, just the first four verses. This is immediately after the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what God's Word says. We'll pray, talk about it for a few moments. It says, When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold... A leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer a gift that Moses commanded as proof for them. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We pray uh, that through this amazing event, it may not feel like it right now, but I pray as we talk, your uh, glory is just made known in this, that it, you do bring that sense of amazement and wonder. And, and Father, I honestly believe that as we look at how you dealt with this individual, we can see how you would deal with us today. And so I pray that you speak that to hearts louder than anything that's ever been spoken, any kind of verse, uh, uh, shame, accusation that's been spoken of over us, any kind of curse, any kind of uh, feeling of we'll never measure up. I pray that you disarm the enemy of that and that you speak directly to our hearts with love and grace and mercy this morning. We just pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, so we get the, the passage here. We've just come out of the Sermon on the Mount. Again, the greatest message ever preached by the greatest preacher to ever preach. And we don't have to guess on the timeline here. We don't have to say, well, is this a week after the Sermon on the Mount? Is this a year after? Is this a flash forward? Is this, you know, some random thought? Listen to what it says. It says, when he came down from the mountain. I'm going to go on and say it was pretty immediate, right? Jesus has just taught this amazing message and he's on the hillside. We don't even know the hillside. We just know it was a hillside. He's sitting there and he's teaching and it says after he finishes, again, the crowd is astonished. They say, we've never heard anything like this. And it says immediately he came down from the mountain. All right. So Jesus, I just want to tell you this and you may not understand this. It may not make sense. But I want to tell you something I know uh, to be too. This, this is the audience is the same, by the way. All those people that we talked about are still there. They're still within the crowd. And I want to tell you, Jesus here is taught what we have recorded is three chapters, 111 verses. I'm going to go on and say that he probably taught more than that, that not every word was written down, right? We don't have video recordings back then. I mean, you've got a scribe. Matthew is writing this down as much as he can. I'm sure there's things. So it it was a long message. I know Bo, he, he talks about me going long all the time, but Jesus probably went longer. I mean, he wouldn't have called him out, right? The son of God. And he probably said in closing a few times. I don't know. Maybe it's not recorded in there. Bo says I say in closing about 12 times. He said, so don't don't pay attention when I say that, right? I might still go for a little while. But I do want to tell you this. And if you've ever taught, you, you understand this. You, you know what I'm, what I'm saying is to be true. I want to tell you this. Sometimes I leave here on a Sunday, not every week, but sometimes I leave here exhausted. And the reason being, I, I can tell you, Jamie, that, that woman will work me to death. In fact, she's got a project for me today. But not too long ago, we laid three pallets aside. And can I tell you the honest truth? Sometimes when I leave here, I'm more exhausted than doing that because it's emotional. It's spiritual. You feel this drain, right? Now, we're going to go on and say that God in the flesh here, right? He's got a little more to draw on. But I can imagine after teaching that way and such heavy heart stuff. And, and by the way, part of the emotion is looking at the crowd and in the speaker's mind saying, God, please let them get this because it's a love. Somebody doesn't get up here and do this just for uh, they shouldn't just because they want to hear them talk, self-taught. They believe in the message. They want people to believe that. They know that it's life changing. That's why we do what we do here is because we believe in it. We didn't believe in it. I'm going to promise you it's easier to stay at home. It's easier for me to be in the woods hunting this morning. Right. I love to do it. But there's nowhere else I'd rather be than right here this morning because I believe in this message. Right. And so Jesus is, I'm sure, tired from coming down of the mountain. And, and here's the thing. He doesn't get a break. He doesn't get a retreat. He doesn't get to pull away in a vehicle. Right. And kind of just recharge his batteries. It says and great crowds followed him. Right. Like he's got all these people, the, the crowd that we said again, Jesus, the 12, the other disciples, those following along, intrigued, those following for the show, the religious leaders says great crowds followed him down. He came down from the mountain and great crowds have followed. It's an audience now everywhere that he goes. That's the guy I was telling you about. 
right? That's the one I'm astonished about. That's the one that teaches in a way that I've never heard before. You're not going to believe this guy. You're not going to believe what he said, X, Y, Z, fill in the blank, right? You can imagine the fever pitch that is going on right now. But I want you to think about this. In most places after this happened, I want you to think about the world in which we live. And I want to be completely honest with you. There is no culture sometimes that pisses me off more than the church culture. Because we get it wrong so many times. We get it wrong here. We, we try. I mean, we're, we're human. We make mistakes. But I want you to think about this, that if it was in today's culture and this man had preached just such an amazing message, let me tell you what would have happened. There would have been people that said, man, hey, hey, Jesus, let me let me grab your attention a second. I know you're walking down the hill. Watch your step there. Just be real careful. We need to build you a building. We need to get you behind a pulpit. Man, we can sell this message, right? We could build our own kingdom. We could get matching t-shirts and let everybody know we're on the same team. We could name this fellowship and, and really put you as Pastor Jesus and everything would be great. We would have these huge crowds. Look, and by the way, I'm hearing that you can heal people. Is that correct? Because if you can heal people, we could really make a show. We could make this like a carnival, right? We could sell tickets to it. That's not what happened. Guys, I want to tell you, this verse can be so looked over as just this little bitty simple story. Can I tell you that this is the crowning moment so far in Jesus' life, his earthly life. I'm going to throw earthly life out there because it was a pretty big deal to be involved in speaking this world into existence. We'll put that probably as priority number one, right? And he spoke you and I into existence. He was there in the beginning. He didn't just pop on the scene one Christmas morning. That was his earthly arrival. So as his earthly arrival, he has just now taught the greatest message, taught in a way that people are like, I can't believe what I've just witnessed. The greatest crowning achievement so where, however, there would be no parade. Jesus would not accept an offer to pastor a mega church or be seated on an earthly golden throne in a palace. No, he was met by a leper. And let me tell you, if you can read this verse and say, well, what a, what a striking coincidence. It wasn't coincidence. In fact, can I tell you, I believe how this passage has really gripped my heart. I believe Jesus is getting ready, Bo. I believe Jesus is getting ready in closing. And he's thinking, I got a meeting down that hill. I think he couldn't wait to get down that hill, especially knowing that a great crowd followed because he's about to set precedence over what his kingdom is about. You see, in the mind of people, they're waiting on somebody to overthrow the Roman rule. They're waiting on an earthly king. They're waiting on somebody to come with sword and shield and sit on a throne and finally take Israel's rightful place. But what they got instead was a warrior, no doubt. But he armed himself with a basin and towel to wash feet and to touch a leper. To touch the untouchable, to heal the unhealable, to love the unlovable. That was the servant king that we have. And good news, we still have him. 
He's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. A leper, a horrible skin disease, an individual is shunned by everyone they encounter. Listen to me. Everyone they encounter goes the other way. Even their parents. They disown them. Because people looked at it, not only it was a physical disease, this horrible skin disease, right? We're open sores and just this, you know, grossness, if we want to be completely honest, and probably smelled. But it wasn't so much that that was the worst part of it. It was the being shunned by everybody in society, even the people that should have had your back. If you came up with leprosy in those days, your parents would have said, get away from me. You're unclean. Go live out there with the, the rest of your kind. Can you imagine? Maybe you can. He's saying, go, go away from me. And, and then the, hum, the, the, the humiliating part of that, probably worse than the physical aspect. I've shared this with you before, but it bears repeating. The worse than the physical aspect of leprosy is the fact that a leper was required when they would walk through town and they saw other individuals who were, look at me, clean. They weren't clean. They just didn't have the disease. But the leper had to shout at the top of their lung, unclean, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine the humiliation? Because when they would do it, it is as if like turning on the light and seeing a bunch of insects scatter around, people running the opposite direction. Get away from them. They're unclean. They stink. They're sinful. They're cursed. There's a disease on them. Unclean. 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 The unclean's coming. People running. Like watching a movie where the apocalypse is happening and just people scattering in town, running away. I want nothing to do with them. They're the untouchable. They're awful people. They're gross. They're disgusting. Look at them. Like, and they had to live out by themselves, just isolated, alone. They had to live with other lepers. They built a new family, a new community, because theirs had already disowned them years ago. Let me tell you, make no mistake, Jesus knew and loved the fact that the leper was waiting down the hill. In fact, we're not given His name, but I just want to say this. I'm betting the Creator of all knew His name. He had an appointment with Him from the beginning of time. He knew I'm going to preach this message. People will be astonished and I'm going to walk down the hill and I'm going to blow their mind even more. I'm meeting a leper on purpose. And by the way, I just want to tell you this. The faith and the boldness of a leper that is required to avoid people is now walking to a great crowd that followed Jesus. And he walks up to Jesus, and there's no mention of him saying, unclean, unclean, unclean. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But I know this, he had the boldness to walk up to Christ in front of everyone. He ditched it all. He said, I'm putting everything on this guy. Because he too, maybe he was on the outside of the crowd and heard enough. Maybe he was one of the astonished ones. Something's different about this guy. In fact, something so different that I feel I can walk up to him and talk to him and not have to give the normal greeting of unclean, unclean, because something's going to happen in my life today. Some of you need to have that same boldness. 
these people that had to live in a community by themselves, isolated, the unclean that the clean would avoid. I got good news. This is Jesus' M.O. You don't believe me? Think of the first people to hear of Jesus' birth. Who was it? Was it the noble of the day? Was it the the king? Was it the, the, the rich and the powerful? Angel meets some shepherds in a field and said, by the way, the lowest of the low job, the ones that out here stinking, working with the sheep, he's a Savior born today. You're the first people to hear about it. Now go and spread the good news. It's his M.O. By the way, he, he doesn't go to the powerful. He doesn't go to the ones that, because most of them, most of them, not all, most of them are seated on the own throne of their life and the own God of their life or their bank account is. He doesn't waste time on that. Like, not saying that they can't come to Christ, but he goes to the low of the low. Most of the time we see that. So let me tell you this morning, I just want to tell you the good news and the great news. Don't tell me you don't measure up enough to have an audience with Jesus. There's a whole book full of it. It's what he does. Do you know there's a prostitute in the lineage of Jesus? Rahab. You know, he hung out with people so much so that he said, there's that guy that hangs out with the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. But see, they weren't changing Jesus. Jesus was changing them. That's how Jesus operated, right? If you feel this way, you say, man, I'll never measure up. Then amazing news, it has zero to do with you. I mean, just take the pressure off. You say, well, I can't go to him because I did this, because I did that. Ain't about you. That's the good news. That's where the grace and the gospel comes in. It's about Him. It's about what He's done. It's nothing to do with what you've done. Now I want to take you back to the story of the leopard. If a clean person touches an unclean leopard, guess what happens by the law? The clean person has now become unclean. That's the way it was written. There was a little extra tradition along with that. And as man does, they take a, a law and they add and they add and they add and try to make it something that no one can bear. But he said that, that if you touch an unclean, diseased person, then you, by definition of the law, are unclean yourself and you must go through a ritual cleansing. You must see a priest. You must do all these things right back in the law. The unclean affected the clean. But this isn't what happens here. Remember, the large crowds followed and watching this unfold. Listen to verse 2. And behold, a leopard came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. I want to take you back. I want you to picture as they are coming down the hill, I want you to picture the scribes and the Pharisees. I can't explain their dress completely, but I know this, that a Pharisee would wear these long flowing robes that would have bells and tassels on them that when they walked by, even the wind would pick up a little noise and people would say, oh man, there's a Pharisee. I want you just to picture the religious of that day, the powerful of that day, the prideful of that day, the ones that lorded their authority over people, that if a leper had come up and knelt before them and said, if you will, would you make me clean? They would have ran the other way. Have nothing to do with you. Get away from me, you unclean. And they would have called them names. They would have done something to degrade them even more and say, don't you know who I am? Get away from me. That's what they would have been encountered with. 
And you know that to be true because quite honestly, some of us have ran to church before and the religious leaders, we felt that same shun. You don't belong here. You don't fit in. You don't look like I do. You don't come from where I do. Have you noticed that? That the church, listen to me. I want to tell you something that's on my heart. The church, most of the time when they gather, it's a group of people that all look and act the same. Look around you. This is a move of God out here. Don't tell me it ain't. Because no man dreamed this up. No man made it happen. This is a work of Jesus that the whole world needs to take note of. That's how proud I am of what goes on in this place. And that ain't me. And it ain't you. It's Him. It's beautiful. I see people that, you know, probably in most situations, like they wouldn't hang out or they wouldn't know each other. And we walk up and hug, handshake, smile, talk life, talk kids, talk everything with each other. It's beautiful. And that's Jesus. That's all Him. But if He would have run up, He'd have said, get away from me, you unclean. And they would have called Him a dog or something worse. Don't you know who I am? The humility and hope in the leopard is obvious because he starts with a beautiful word. He says, Lord. Man, some of us need to just start there today. I've been trying to be the own Lord of my life or something else has been the Lord of my life. Just start there, Jesus. Lord, Lord, I'm done leading my own life. I, I want you to lead my life. Beautiful start. Listen to what he says. And I'm going to tell you this. Five powerful words to pray. You ready? If you will, you can. That's what the leper says to Jesus. If you will, like if it's your desire, if it's your will, you can do it. Some of you have been facing addiction that you've carried for 52 years. It's a number that God gave me in my head. I don't know. Maybe that's somebody out here. Lord, if you will... You can. Some of you feel like I'll I'll never measure up. I'll never amount to anything. Lord, if you will, you can. You get what I'm saying here? Nothing is outside the reach of Jesus. And Jesus didn't respond angrily, by the way. He didn't make the leper feel ashamed. He didn't tell him to run away. He didn't tell him, don't you know I'm clean and you're unclean? He met him the same way that he will and can meet most of us today. The leper came with a sincere heart and posture and said, Lord, if you're willing and listen to the beautiful response after the crowning achievement of Jesus' life, he's just spoken this beautiful message on the Sermon on the Mount. And then he says this, and it must have tasted like honey on the leper's lip. He said, I will. Two words, I will. What did he ask him? He said, if you will, you can. If you will, you can heal me. And he says, I will. I want to mention again, there are great crowds following and watching with anticipation. What is this holy man of God? Maybe even some of the scribes and Pharisees at this point say, I don't like that he's taking my thunder, but maybe there's something going on with this guy. But this is about to change everything in an instant. He's standing there as a leper is kneeling down and he's saying, Lord, if you will, you can. And Jesus looks at him tenderly and says, I will. I will heal you. Your faith is beautiful is what Jesus is saying. 
I will. I absolutely will. And let me tell you, if it had stopped right there, that is a beautiful moment. But can I take you a step further? And Jesus takes the next step and he knows that great crowds are watching. He knows that they are there. Even the religious are in that crowd that day. And listen to what he says. He says, I will. And then he stretched out his hand and touched him. Don't you think that's some insignificant detail? You see, because what that does by the law standard and by everybody's eye out there, especially those that had the law memorized, said, that man's unclean now. He just touched a leper. Can you believe that? Can you believe that he would stoop so low to touch somebody that has a disease? Now Jesus is going to have this disease. He's going to catch it. Or if, if nothing else, he's going to be ceremonially unclean. He can't teach now. Surely he's not fit. But can I tell you what happens when Jesus touches the unclean? His cleanliness transfers to the unclean. It ain't the other way around. And that's what happened in this moment. It's a, it's a beautiful tenderness. It's this solo encounter that is just amazing i can't imagine the leper just saying and then he says he reached out to touch him and gives him these words be clean must have tasted like honey amen a leper had never heard anything like that he had been met with rejection his whole life and now not only to be accepted but accepted by god himself and saying be clean and it isn't a solo encounter. It's a one-on-one -on -one encounter with Jesus and this leper, but he is having this conversation in the view of great crowds. It said, great crowds follow him down. And Jesus intentionally says, I'm having this meeting. I am willing. And not just to speak it, because by the way, couldn't he have just spoke it into existence? He chose to go the extra mile. He chose to touch him and say, I'm going to show him I'm changing everything. And Jesus is not doing away with the law here. He said that. He said, I didn't do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. He came to do what we couldn't do. He says, I'm going to touch him and I'm healing him for all these people to see. Now tell me this, does that guy have a testimony now? I mean, the disease is gone. Like I, I go back, let me tell you, if you don't think God didn't use James Mickey in my life a few weeks ago, like when he shared with us, let me tell you this, I met him when he had anger in his eyes. Can I tell you this? There's a smile there now. He told me, he said, man, Pastor, he said, I want you to know. And he, 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 was, he was sharing it with me as something that almost would disqualify him. He said, I've gotten high with some of the people out here before. I said, man, what a better person to tell them that you've changed. You ain't getting high with them no more, right? So what's the difference? I want to tell you this. You can believe in Jesus or not believe in Jesus. That's your prerogative. I want you to believe, but I can tell you one thing. You can't argue that man was somebody else and now he's somebody different. And he told you the reason. He said, Jesus, it's simple. I've had that message in my heart. It's simple. We try to complicate it, but it's simple. It was Jesus. That's all it needed. All just one word example is Jesus, right? That's what this guy was able to say. You could say, well, man, people of the day, they didn't really believe in who Jesus said he, he, he was, right? He says he's the son of God and they didn't believe. But I can tell you one thing they had to believe. That guy was a leper and now he's not. I'll say, well, what happened, leper? Steve the leper. I don't know. That just sounds right. 
Steve the leper, what happened to you? Well, I, Jesus had just taught this message on the hill and I, I just felt this thing inside of me. I was empowered to walk up to him and I knelt down and I said, Lord, if, if you will, you, you can. And I imagine him going and maybe even talking to his other leper friends and, and they said, well, what happened next? And he said, I am, I am willing. And then y'all, you ain't gonna believe it. This clean, holy man touched me. This is speaking to a crowd that had not been touched by someone else other than a leper for probably years. And they, they, they tuned up. They said, he, he, he did what? He touched me. Well, what happened when he touched you? Like immediately it went away. But he says, there's something even better. Something changed inside of me. I'm not who I was. And some of you here this morning, you say, man, I, I've been thinking about trying this Jesus thing. I, I really have. I've been coming out here for a while. I've been, I've been thinking about it. Can I tell you this? You'll have the same story. You say, I, I don't know what happened, but he touched me. I'm different. I'm not who I was. You'll have the same story, James. And, and maybe in a couple years, you'll be up here and say, I want to share my story. By the way, it's always open. Always. I don't care who you are. If you've got a story out here that involves Jesus, we need to hear it. So I thank you for that. Jesus touching the untouchable. Can't imagine the, the faith of the leper, though. He knew to go to the source of healing, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Can I tell you a funny moment, though? i got to give Jesus something on this. I, I want to ask him about this one day. Remember, great crowds has followed, right? You know what Jesus tells the leper at the end of it? He said, now make sure and don't tell anybody about this. Too late, Jesus. I think cat's out of the bag, right? Like thousands have just seen this happen. They saw the man with a disease that is unclean walk up to you, said, if you're willing, and he says, I'm willing. You touch him, he healed him. I, I think news is getting out that this happened, right? But Jesus knew what this story was about to unfold. He knew the religious leaders that were already struggling with the sin of pride, already struggling with the sin of wanting to lord their power over people. And now Jesus is touching the unclean and saying, you're clean. And the proof was there. They were physically and spiritually. Jesus knew this was going to accelerate the path to the cross. So in closing... Bo, and the rest of you. Here's the moral of the story. I believe Jesus wants to meet you the same way today. Look at me. I don't care what it is. You see, because there's this beauty in Scripture that I used to misinterpret so, in such a small scale. There's this verse, see if you've ever heard it, that Jesus, the name of Jesus is above every name. You ever heard that? Above every name. And here's where I foolishly underestimated that verse. I used to think that meant Jesus is greater than Jimmy. Jesus is greater than John. Jesus is greater than Jamie. The three J's there, Jimmy, John, and Jamie. Didn't plan that. I used to think it just meant people. Can I tell you this? It's even better than that. Jesus' name is above anything that can be named. That means cancer. That means addiction. Anything you can put a name to, any dark thing that you've been carrying, Jesus' name is greater than that. So it's good news. Why don't you take it to the source, right? I believe Jesus will meet you in the same way. Whatever need, 
I believe he loves to meet it with compassion, tenderness, whatever we need. Think about it. The biggest moment of his life, and he lets the crowd see him touch the unclean. Mm. That's my Jesus. Do you know him? If not, you can. Good news. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the beauty of a passage like this today, one that this amazing moment, I mean, I pray we've done it justice today, but if not, that you just remind us of this story, even throughout the week, that there is one that runs up to you just in a state of uncleanliness and the status quo (laughs) that you love to break, it seems. The status quo of the day was for this person to have to be ashamed and isolated, shouting at the top of their lungs how unclean they were. And you met with tenderness and compassion and said, I will. And then you touched that individual and you changed their life forever. And I pray that you do the same to us in this crowd this morning. Those that know you, those that don't, that we have the boldness of a leper this morning to just come to you and say, Jesus If you will, you can. If we come with that humility and that sincerity, I believe confidently you'll look at us and say, I will. And you'll touch us however you need to, whatever way you need to, and ultimate healing will come. So Jesus, we stake our... um, existence on that we stake our life on that that we put enough trust in that that i'm counting on that to be enough when i stand before you that i can boldly say not about me jesus did this jesus redeemed me jesus saved me because i got nothing good to offer except that and so jesus that's where i'm at with that and i pray that over the hearts of everyone here today if they don't know you what a wonderful day to meet you if we do Father, let's just thank you for that grace and mercy and walk a little bit closer with you today and share that good news with others. I'm sure this leper had a story after that. Man, I was this way. I encountered Jesus and now I'm not. Think of our brother James. Think of the stories we've seen out here. Think of what you've done in my own heart, what you continue to do. So Jesus, you're still in the healing business. I pray that you heal people's hearts that you uh, encounter people today in the ways that they need. Just we pray and we ask this in the most powerful name, the name of Jesus that is above anything or anyone that can be named. That's the name we pray in and seek today. Jesus, we love you. We need you. We pray it in your name. Amen.